I pray. Amen. Open with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pew, that's on page 866. It should also be, I believe, on the screens behind me. We're going to be reading verses 21 through 24 of Acts chapter 12. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Hello, family. Good morning. My name is Daniel, one of the pastors. If you're new here, it's good to be with you. It's good to worship together. Well, I got to teach this same teaching not long ago at our leadership seminar, but we believed that it would be fitting to bring it more broadly to you, church, for several reasons. One, we just acquired this amazing building as a gift from Lebanon, and we're rejoicing over that gift. And along with that comes a tremendous responsibility, and we've been praying diligently that God would help us to steward it well and lead us with it so that it would never become a hindrance to us, but always would help be a tool in aiding our mission and leading us forward in making disciples and multiplying worshipers of Jesus. Additionally, we are multiplying our missional community groups. And we're, we're change, making some changes with, with geographic shifts and things like that. And that's very exciting, but it comes with some challenges. So, and lastly, we're, we're, it's on our hearts that God would give us the opportunity to church plant in the coming years. This has always been our burden, but most recently we're diligently praying. So with this in mind, we wanted to talk to you this morning and share from God's word about the centrality of multiplication to our vision, why we're making some of the steps we are right now as a church. I want to just remind you that our vision is to glorify God by multiplying worshipers of Jesus and healthy churches in the Twin Cities and beyond. Would you, I don't know if I got that on the slide. I thought I did. Maybe not. But central to that is multiplying worshipers of Jesus. And this is not something that we just kind of thought up. It's not a clever idea of all people's church. But something that's deeply rooted in God's word. It's an idea from his heart. And I want to show you that this morning in the book of Acts. And I also, more than that, I want you to see this morning as we look through this story of Acts that this is so central to what they're doing. And my prayer is that as we look, that God would stir your heart, that he would stir our hearts, that we collectively would be burning with passion to spread the word of God and that we would multiply in this city and beyond, just like he did in Acts. So the book of Acts it's a story of a reversal of the ever-increasing multiplication of sin and evil. And it's reversed by the church via the Holy Spirit preaching and proclaiming the word of God. 
Acts is, is telling a story of, of the multiplication of sin and evil being reversed by the church preaching the word of God and it multiplying in the lives of people. But it came with great opposition as we see in our text. A little bit earlier in chapter 12, we see that King Herod, the same one who mocked Jesus, the same one who tried him, he is persecuting the church. He's trying to squash the works of the followers of Jesus. He not only arrests the apostle Peter along with other Christians in chapter 12 there, but he also killed the apostle James. He's doing everything he can. He's continuing to multiply sin and darkness on the earth. And yet, Jesus promised us, didn't he, that the gates of hell would not prevail against the building of Jesus' church. Amen? And so we see something remarkable happen here. It's an odd thing that we just read. But first we see that God miraculously releases Peter from prison. And then we see a swift judgment come on Herod for his alignment with evil. And this is the inevitable end of anyone who opposes God and his plans ultimately. But as we just read, Herod is there delivering a speech. And everybody we're told is, is shouting in that moment, The voice of a God and not of a man. But immediately, verse 23, an angel of the Lord struck the man down. Why? Because he did not give God the glory. It says he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Now, if you've wondered what that meant, I'm sorry, I'm not going to dive into the, the worms section today. But I do want to focus on verse 24, which is so profound, the contrast between this man who glorifies himself. Look at verse 24 and read it out loud with me. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Church, we need to be reminded regularly that God wins. There is great opposition there is a great clash. There is a great battle. And yet God wins. This is so encouraging to me to see this contrast. And as I was reading it, I, I just was marveling that even though one man is wreaking havoc on the church, we, he's killing people, he's locking up Christians, we see that God's word continues to increase and multiply. Nothing can stop that from happening, we see in the book of Acts. And history would just tell us that this would continue. No, no one who ever killed Christians got the result that they were wanting for, what they were wanting out of it. You know, in fact, all through history, we see as Christians die, it just seems like more and more kingdom work sprouts up. This is why the church father, Tertullian, says this amazing quote. He says, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The early church, this is the second century, he's, they're looking at how people try to kill, kill the people of God as they're spreading and multiplying on the earth and all that it becomes, their blood becomes a seed for more and more kingdom multiplication. Isn't that amazing? The gates of hell will not prevail against the building of Jesus' church. 
But I just want to back, out, back up for a minute and, and talk about how we got here. How did we end up with the word of God being so trampled for so long that there needed to be this sort of reversal, this sort of clash that we see in the book of the Acts. So as you zoom out and you look at the bigger story of scripture, you find there that the Bible talks about our triune God creating everything out of nothing and he did it And he created it good, all things good. And he did it not out of necessity, but out of love for us. And and as as, as God spoke, we're told that just life bursts into existence. It bursts into existence. And in the chaos of the world, this, this world without form and order begins to become order. And all these different creatures and plants and animals are multiplying with incredible, at an incredible rate. You see that God was writing in those moments the DNA for multiplication on everything. Think about how cells multiply in the earth. Think about the seeds in the plants. Think about animals and how they've been given this capacity to multiply. And humanity. Think about about how all people's church has the capacity to multiply. (laughs) We have so many babies in this church. God has just written it on the DNA of creation. He meant for this thing to multiply over and over and over again for God's God's, uh, beauty and his glory to multiply all of it intending to evoke worship of the one who made it. And then in verse 27, we see the most remarkable multiplication of God's glory. We're told that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. It's like he stamped his, his own image on mankind. And then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and what? Multiply and fill the earth so at the beginning, there's this, there's this launch of multiplication of life. Not only life, but the very image of God through humanity. We're suppo- we were supposed to spread out all over. God blessed. He commissioned us. He gave us everything that we need to go and represent God and rule over the good earth that he had made. But quickly in scripture, we see that multiplication story come to a halt. Life isn't the only thing that has the power to multiply. We see this in Genesis chapter 3 where Satan enters in. He deceives our first parents. They, they followed the word of Satan instead of the word of God. And all of a sudden, a new multiplication um, effort begins to the degree that Scripture records in just a few chapters later that the whole earth was corrupt in God's sight and was filled with violence, Genesis 6, 11. And as the story unfolds, we see that even though God would pour out his wrath through the flood, he preserved a remnant of people all the way through the Old Testament. It is a story of God preserving a remnant who would anticipate the one who would come and reverse this spread of sin and evil on the earth and would make all things new. And as we've been celebrating this morning, as we celebrate each week, we celebrate that Jesus came in fulfillment of God's promises. God sent his son, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and he started a new multiplication movement, didn't he church? 
A new humanity through his life, death, and resurrection. The good news that we has been proclaimed and preached through history and we preach today is that God has come. He has set us free in Jesus. We don't have to continue to multiply sin and evil any longer, but we're set free from our bondage to sin and we become those who once again can fulfill the commission that God gave us in the beginning to image him once again, to be made new And to testify of what God has done. On the cross, friends, Jesus absorbed the wrath. We don't fear anymore the death that Herod faced. But we have been made alive in Christ Jesus. Made new and filled with the Holy Spirit. That we would be able to walk in the newness of life. Friends, Jesus spoke to his disciples just before he was raised from the dead. He breathed, I mean, just before he ascended to heaven, he breathed on them and said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Think of that. Jesus came. He put a nail on, in the, in the, uh, the, the pervasive movement of sin and death. And he said, now you go and multiply this good work. You go and multiply a new humanity on the earth. And he blessed them and he gave them the Holy Spirit, the power to multiply, increase on the earth. And just as we see in Acts chapter 2, God lit up his disciples with the flame of his Holy Spirit. A little flame was over top of their head, and the Spirit of God was burning in their hearts. This new humanity was created with this passion and power to proclaim and take the good news to the world. So at creation, God began a multiplication movement of life. It was opposed by the multiplication movement of sin and death. But in sending his son, friends, God reversed it and started a new multiplication movement. That's a a little, that's the big story of multiplication. It brings us to where we are in the book of Acts. Now, I just want to dive in a little deeper into Acts and show you two things. One, I want to show you the heartbeat for multiplication in the early church. And two, I want to show you their strategy to fulfill their commission. So first, the heartbeat of the early church. So if you remember the story, Acts 2 records the the gospel spreading quickly. In one day, 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. But just as as it spread, there was persecution. We just read about Herod and, and others who came after the church. But now listen to the heartbeat of the church in this prayer just after some of the first persecution. They said, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants... To continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It's amazing to me from from being afraid, from being terrified and locked up in a a room, from, from denying their master, these individuals became a powerful work, a group of people that began to pray and work even though They were threatened with death. And the word of God did increase. 
And he answered their prayers. Acts 6, if you jump forward, shows us that God did what they asked. The word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, even a great number of priests. I just want to remind you that we don't see moves of God apart, apart from prayer. Speaking with the Wilsons and, and others recently, and they're just talking about how a lot of what we're, the momentum we're seeing in, in, with, with missions right now is because they have been praying diligently. And we see this through history, that great revivals follow moves of prayer of the church, crying out to God, multiply us, work in us, preach through us. I just want to mention one more text that illustrates the heartbeat of the church. Acts 8. This is just after Stephen, the first Christian martyr, is killed. We're told that great persecution arose in Jerusalem. Many were scattered. And what did they do when they were scattered? They kept preaching the word of God. They went about preaching. So what I want to illustrate with these few passages that I just brought up is that there's just no forcing these Christians to share the faith. This is, this is spreading like wildfire. It's not sin and death that's spreading like wildfire anymore. It's, it's the word of God. It's people that are passionate about the name of Jesus. He's put something in them. He's planted something in them. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes into the in, onto the inside of us, we cannot act the same that we once did. The Holy Spirit stirs us because God is jealous for his name to be proclaimed. And so it's like it burns in our bones. It burned in the bones of the disciples where they began to proclaim. They couldn't help but preach the good news. Our God wants that word to be spread liberally because when we spread it like like liberally like we're spreading seed, friends, God multiplies worshipers of Jesus. People come to faith. People are transformed and join in this great mission. So the heartbeat of the early church was the multiplication of worshipers of Jesus through the spread of his word. They longed for that. Now I want to show you their strategy for fulfilling the great commission more broadly. That is church planning. As the disciples increased, we see that the apostles planted churches. Acts 11 gives us one of the first accounts of church planning. I'm just going to summarize it for you. If you, if, you're, if you go to your Bibles there, you can follow along a little bit with me. But we're told that some, some of the people that were scattered went as far as Antioch. It's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And as they went, they began to preach, not just to Jews, but also to Greek-speaking Jews, to the Hellenists. This is a reminder that the gospel was, was for all kinds of people. God intends that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of God. And verse 21 says that as they preached, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. That is, they became disciples of Jesus also. When the church of Jerusalem heard the news, they sent Barnabas, a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And upon seeing the grace of God, quote, he was glad and exhorted them to remain faithful in the Lord with steadfast purpose, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So you can see here, they, they go into the city, they begin engaging the city with the gospel, disciples are made, and all of a sudden this church says, let's get behind this, let's send qualified men to go and help to mature these believers. 
Barnabas goes and he says, you know what, I can't do this on my own. The story goes that he calls, he calls Paul. He says, Paul, come and help me in this journey. Come and help me disciple these people. Paul, who used to be a, a, a murderer of Christians, he, he comes in and it says for a whole year, verse 26, for a whole year they met with the church, with the church, and they taught a great many people. So this new group of Christians that's, that's rising up in Antioch has formed into a church. Jerusalem church has planted the church of Antioch and they are being strengthened. We're told that, that lots and lots of people are coming into the church. Now, I was at a conference last year uh, the North American Mission Board Conference, and he highlighted, Vance Pittman, the president of that organization, highlighted something for me from this text that was profound. He, he, he said that the church planning strategy that we see there, and we'll see it again in a little bit in another text, was in this order. They first went into the city and engaged that city with the gospel, and as disciples were made, then the church was planted. Engage the city with the gospel, make disciples, plant churches. What he mentioned that so much, he, he pointed out that so much of church planning today in the West is just opposite of this. Rather than going in and first engaging and preaching to the city with the gospel, we, we often try to like plant services. <laughs> like it starts there and then try to figure out kind of how we do evangelism and discipleship after that. And the problem with that is that so often churches don't grow with new believers. New disciples aren't added. It seems like more and more members from other churches come in. And that's not all bad, but what it hinders is oftentimes a real move of God in that city. More disciples being made in that city. And he pointed out that oftentimes these churches struggle to mobilize the church because it was never... It was never part of the original DNA of their church to be out engaging the city with the gospel. So there are things about this that were very convicting to me, even for our church. And, and I can say this, we, we so desire to follow biblical patterns of church planning. As we move forward as a church, not only are we looking at the strategy here and saying, okay, church planning is central here to the multiplication, to the fulfillment of the Great Commission, we also want to make sure we get the strategy right. We want to church plant in the way that the, the, the early church church planted. So I can tell you now, we, we care about being, keeping in step with the Spirit. We care about following this biblical order of church planning. Now, I want to move forward in the, in the story a little bit, and, and I want us to notice what this young church plant did. The story goes that within a year, it seems like just one year, this church has been in existence, as they're praying, God speaks to them and says, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul, that I might send them to the nations, Essentially, God is saying, it's time to multiply. Wait, I can just imagine one or two people like, it just, we just started here. It's just like one year old. No, that's, that's not how they're thinking. The Holy Spirit is leading them, and they say, 
Now, let's go. So they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas. They send them out and they begin the church planning process again. This is the strategy of the early church. And we'll see. Look at chapter 14, verse 21. It says, they went out and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Again, we see this same pattern happening. Not only is church planning so central to what they're doing, we see that it's, it's in this pattern, engaging the city, making disciples, planting churches. Further, they appointed multiple elders. That's, that's something that I think we can easily overlook, but there's, there's plurality in the elders, that would help this church grow up in maturity in the Lord. So what I'm trying to highlight for you this morning is that Acts shows us that the primary vehicle for kingdom multiplication was churches who are planting more healthy churches. And this is exactly what we see playing out in church history. That as the the church has gone out proclaiming the word of God, as disciples have been made, more and more churches are planted. And And it's all the way through history until today. And if I had time, man, I would just love to to walk through history from Acts 2 all the way to here and try to tie the line to to who we are right now. But here's, here's what I can do. Take us back 171 years ago to right here in our city when First Baptist Church was planted in 1853 by a missionary. It's just downtown. First Baptist Church, just the building was just recently sold, but it was... It was, it was them. They were one of the very first churches organized in the Minnesota Territory west of the Mississippi. And, and history shows that, that in 1871, they planted, just a few years later, maybe, maybe uh, 15 years later, they planted Bethlehem Baptist Church. Bethlehem Baptist Church, in 2015, planted Cities Church. And then five years ago, in 2018, it the Lord lit up Sam and Joanna Choi with a passion to keep multiplying this good news. And in 2018, All People's Church was planted. And here we are today, just marveling at what God has done. Just marveling that the Lord has, has brought us to this point where he's multiplying more worshipers of Jesus He's merged two stories together, Lebanon Lutheran Church right now and All People's Church. We're looking and we're marveling at all that God has done in building his church. We've seen new baptisms. We've seen new, uh, new disciples we've made. We've seen uh, the multiplication of missional community groups and the sending of, of missionaries into, into, our, uh, into the nations. And we've constantly heard stories of you actively ministering in your neighborhoods and to coworkers. So God is still alive and his flame is still burning in us. The same flame that lit up the the early church, friends, is burning in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? He lives in us, church, and he wants to do the same thing that he did in the book of Acts. He wants to do that in us. 
So here's where I just want to bring about uh, bring up like where, where are we going from here then? What does all that mean for us right now? Well, just a, a handful of things that, that we're thinking about. One, we, we simply want to keep doing what we're doing. There's a lot of ways that we're, we're just so thrilled with how God is working through our church. We want to keep doing what, we do, what we're doing. We, we love the structure of this church. We, we love how we've been engaging the city. But... Um, and, and additionally, it has always been our prayer that churches would be planted organically as, as individuals of our church and missional community groups engaged our city with the gospel. That has been our prayer, that the Lord would work and multiply us in that way. And we've seen some of that happen. But I, I, I think that what we're longing for right now is that God would do something more, that we would be able to see a church planted from our work, from our labors. We'd like to see a church planted. So right now we're, we're launching two missional community groups, one in the Northwest and, and one in Roseville. And, and with one, one of those, I'm, I'm planning to launch in Roseville and, and Michael Patterson and, and others in, in the Northwest, God willing. And our prayer, even, even some of our prayers right now is like, God, would you have this become a church plant? Would you, would you make this thing so explode, the gospel so moved through our engagement with, our, with those cities that we would see churches planted. This is our desire, that we'd see it organically move in that way. But at the same time, church, we're also asking the Lord, perhaps we need to set aside, set apart some of our leaders, some of our, some of our best to go and, and start engaging in a church planning effort. So that's in our heart. And while we haven't identified anybody in particular, we're, we're praying for the Lord to show us the way. We're praying, Lord, what do you have for us? When would we go? Who would go? These are the things that are on our heart. We want to multiply this, this work of God. But questions inevitably arise as we start talking about multiplication. Like, why do we need more churches when there are just so many in our city? I've asked that myself. Why, why are we so focused on church planning when it seems like there are so many churches around us? Well, I started researching a little bit and, and found some shocking stats this week. Lifeway Research reported that in 2019, while 3,000 new churches opened in the U.S., 4,500 closed. And that was a conservative number. Since covid 19, it may be more in the range of 12,000 churches that are closing each year. This is a problem. Only if we consider the, uh, the, the, the growth of population in our nation. This is a problem because there are not enough people. There are not enough churches. We just talked about this even for the unreached people groups. Friends, the same thing that happened in Europe could happen here. The dwindling of churches, the dwindling of Christians can mean that there's, there's just simply not enough people to carry on this message, to keep preaching the gospel, to keep transforming our cities with churches. So we need more churches to be planted. But as I read, I, I saw a bigger need than that. The churches closing in our nation highlighted something tragic. A Star Tribune article I read says that one out of four claim no religious affiliation. And, and as I read their stories, it's not that they 
it's not that they have just given up on God and they're now atheists. No, they, many of them are still saying, no, we believe in God. We're still spiritual. But the, the thing is, they're all looking for fulfillment in other places. And they all reported different reasons for their leaving the Christian faith. They would say things like, I just can't reconcile with the suffering in the world and the God of the Bible. They'd say things like, I just can't reconcile. I can't imagine that, that Christianity, that God could be so exclusive. He would not allow any people from any religion in. They would say things like, I just don't understand how Christianity is relevant for my lives, my, my life. As I read the stories, my heart just broke for these people. These are people that simply need a friend, somebody to sit with them and walk with them through scripture and help them to understand suffering, to help them understand the Bible and how God works and his goodness. They needed shepherds. One study I read said that new church plants are usually more effective at reaching the lost. 42% of members at successful church plants were previously unchurched people. So friends, I want to commend to you that our city needs more churches, needs more churches that are proclaiming and multiplying the word of God all around these cities. And not just any churches, friends, but healthy churches. That's part of our our vision statement. We want to see healthy churches planted. The reality is there are other churches in our city, but so many of them have abandoned the gospel. So many of them are not preaching the word of God anymore. In fact, I met two young men at the Midtown Global Market just recently, and I heard them over um, as we're standing in line uh, to Manny's Tortas. It's a great spot, by the way. Um, I heard them talking about theology. And so I, I struck up a conversation and asked them if they're a part of a church, and um, they, they went on to tell me about their new church, New City Church. And it's a, it's a church that actually just as a few blocks from here, they meet in the Walker Community Church. And they were actually just gifted that building by, by this long-term community, Walker Community Church. But Walker Community Church is, is one of the, it was one of the first affirming churches in our city. And it, it is, it sadly, is an extremely unfaithful church. And as I read about this church, I was just so grieved as I, as I looked through their website about what, what they're teaching and what they're practicing as a church. Friends, there's so much false teaching, so much, so much that just does not align with God's word in what they're doing. And friends, they're multiplying. They have another campus in Northeast. I need you to remember that there there are churches that are multiplying and many of them are, are teaching falsely. And, and they're probably included in that number of 3,000 new churches that opened up in the last year. So not only are there not enough healthy churches in the city, we're in competition with false teachers. Friends, you don't have to look very far to see that there are so many sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is indeed plentiful and the laborers are few. Another question that might arise for you is why church plant when we're so young? 
Well, I just want to remind you, friends, that this is not a varsity church job, right? This is not something that we see the book of Acts saying, okay, we, we give you this stamp of like, you've got enough people, you've got the right budget in place, you've got all this stuff together. No, within a year, friends, this young church is sending out another church. They're sending the very best. Barnabas and Paul were the ones that were the original planters and helpers of this church, and they sent them out. This is another call to us as leaders to be raising up new shepherds, new new leaders that can take over and care for this body, that we continue to grow and mature here. So our church, though young, if we would be a healthy church, we would be a multiplying church. Healthy organisms in the world multiply. And we believe that if God is in us, friends, we will be a multiplying people. Individually, we will be multiplying. And as a church, we will be multiplying. And shockingly, shouldn't be shocking to us, but one stat said that church plants that are launching daughter churches within their first years average twice as many weekly attenders as churches that do not replicate And while numbers is not our measure of success, I think this highlights for us something important. When we are keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, when we are following him and practicing the strategies that he lays out for us in his word, friends, he will provide us with resources. He will provide us with the people, with the leaders that we need so that more and more spread of the kingdom can happen. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit, and we trust that as we do, he will provide. And if we are not, if we refuse to walk in his path, if we refuse to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, friends, the church, the church is warned in Revelation that it will die. God has made us to multiply. So I want to close up here by asking, how does God want to use you? How does God want to multiply you in such a time as this? What role do you play? Well, first of all, I want to ask you to just join us in prayer. I want you to pray with your roommates, with your spouse, with your family, that God would do a work and that he would multiply our church in this coming year. Nothing will be accomplished apart from these united, concerted efforts of prayer. I learned this week that Bethany Global uh, School stops everything at 9.38 daily on campus and they pray, Matthew 9.38, that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers for his kingdom. What if we begin to practice something like that? Imagine how God might shape our church. Secondly, I want you to consider if your life right now is positioned to bear the most fruit for the kingdom of God. Consider where you live. Consider how you prioritize your time and your money and your energy, your finances, even even your view of the church. Consider if you are positioned to lend towards the greatest advance of the kingdom. And let's set our lives in order to this end this year. It's a very big part of the fast that we just did together as a church to set our lives in position to be used by God. 
Three, as we launch new missional community groups, I, re- I really do want you to consider where, which MC might be best towards your engagement with your city. Which MC, which group of people, which individuals might you best link arms with to reach your neighbors and your coworkers? I want you to be thinking about that and praying about that. Perhaps there's somebody that you want to say, hey, come with me. Let's, let's do something new together for the sake of the kingdom, just like Barnabas did with Paul. And finally, church, I just want to urge us all that the, the time is now. I don't want us to just come away from today just talking about this. I want us to to go to work in proclaiming. I want our hearts to burn with the gospel of Jesus. I want us to love him so much and, and have such a deep conviction that he is the hope of our city and the greatest treasure of, of all mankind that we would, we would not be able to shut our mouths, that we would just want to open our mouths and welcome all people to join us in this good thing that we have going here. Does the word of God burn in you like that today, church? Oh, that God would stir us. Oh, that God would, would plant that in us. And if you're here today and you, you are just new to all this, I just welcome you. Come and be a part of the most amazing mission of following our Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his work of multiplying not sin and death, but the kingdom of God until he comes. Right now, I want us to pray together in groups. And so I just want to invite you to...